0: Section forty three of the Cambridge Modern History, Volume Two The Reformation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Twelve The Catholic South by the Reverend W. E. Collins. Part Four At Valladolid, the movement had already come to an end for although it began later than at seville it was discovered somewhat earlier its founder was Augustine Gazalla, born of rich parents who had lost rank for judaizing he had studied under carranza at valladolid and afterwards at alcala in fifteen forty two he was made chaplain and preacher to the emperor and till fifteen fifty one followed the court on his return to spain he was made canon of salamanca and from that time forward dwelt there or at valladolid he became addicted to the reform either under caranza's instructions or in germany and was confirmed in his views by carlos de ceso a nobleman from italy who had married a spanish wife corregidor of toro ceso had heard of justification in italy became an ardent propagandist in fact it is clear that toro not valladolid was the real birthplace of the movement in new castile a large number of well-born persons accepted ceso's teaching including the licentiate Suelo, fred domingo de Rosas, many members of the casalla family and many devout ladies and all who accepted it became teachers themselves Zamora and logroño near which town ceso had a house were affected by the movement above all it found its headquarters in valladolid where it soon had a very large following both of rich and poor the nuns of the rich house of belen outside the city were largely involved so were many of the clergy meetings and services were held frequently and the communion administered in the house of leonor de rivera Gaza's mother it is not known how they were discovered but the arrests were precipitated by the action taken at zamora by the bishop against cristobal de padilla steward to the marquesa de alcanices who was preaching the new doctrines there he was able to warn his friends in the capital some of whom who fled to navarre and thence into france but the greater number were already taken early in june fifteen fifty eight the prisons were full and valdes the inquisitor-general was able to report to charles v in his retirement at Juste, that each day brought fresh evidence against them. Moreover, mutual trust was lacking. When under examination, even without torture, they accused one another, and endeavored by all means to exculpate themselves, so that there was no lack of incriminating evidence. The cause was pressed on vigorously, special powers being sought from Rome that it might not be delayed, and an auto de fe, the first against heresy, was arranged for trinity sunday may twenty first fifteen fifty nine to be held in the plaza mayor on the appointed day a concourse gathered the like of which had seldom been seen after a sermon by the theologian Melcorcano. these sentences were read out fourteen heretics were condemned to death together with a portuguese jew they were augustine cazalla and his seven laymen including Juan Garcia, a worker in silver of Valladolid, and Anton Ansel, a peasant. The bones of Leonor de Rivera were burnt, her house pulled down, and the spot was marked by a pillar of infamy. Sixteen were reconciled and sentenced to various terms of imprisonment. Thirty-seven were reserved in prison. Of those who suffered, most showed sufficient signs of penitence to be strangled before being burnt including cazalla himself but exhortations were wasted upon the licentiate jerezuelo who held to his opinions and was burnt alive a second auto followed on october eighth in the presence of philip himself six men and six women were burnt and five women were imprisoned for life the former included fray domingo de rosas pedro cazalla two other priests a nun of santa clara at Valladolid, and four nuns of belen of the latter three were nuns of belen several of those who were burnt were gagged that they might not speak but fray domingo demanded leave to address the king and said although i die here as a heretic in the opinion of the people yet i believe in god almighty the father the son and the holy ghost and i believe in the passion of christ which alone suffices to save the world without any other work save the justification of the soul to be with god and in this faith i believe that i shall be saved it would seem however that only two were burnt alive carlos de ceso and juan sanchez many isolated cases of heresy are to be found after this and doubtless the records of others have perished leonor de cisneros the mother of jerezuelo was burnt alive as an obstinate heretic on september twenty sixth fifteen sixty eight several cases of heresy were dealt with at an auto de fe at toledo in fifteen seventy one and recent research has found a certain number of other instances elsewhere as time went on such cases were in increasing proportion of foreign origin but whatever heresy was discovered it was ruthlessly stamped out nor was this merely the work of a few officials From his retirement at Yuste, Charles V adjured his son to carry out the work of repression to the uttermost, and Philip replied that he would do what his father wished, and more also. He told Carlos de Ceso that if his own son were a heretic, he would himself carry the wood to burn him. And in this, as in most other things, he was a typical Spaniard. The rage against heresy regarded all learning, all evangelical teaching, with suspicion to teach overmuch of faith or of inward religion might be a disparagement of works and of outward religion sooner or later most of the learned men of the day were cited on suspicion of heresy or if not actually cited their actions and words were carefully watched fray Luis de leon poet and scholar spent nearly five years in the prisons of the inquisition whilst his works were being examined and although he was at length acquitted His translation of the Song of Solomon was suppressed, and he again fell under suspicion in 1582. Juan de Avila, Luis de Granada, even Saint Teresa, and Saint John of the Cross were accused, and it is said that Alva himself and Don John of Austria were not above suspicion. After all, the Inquisition struck, and not ineffectively, at the highest ecclesiastic in Spain and brought him low, even to the ground bartolome de Carranza was born in 1503 of a noble family at Miranda de navarre and he entered the dominican order at the age of seventeen in fifteen twenty three he was sent to the college of san gregorio at valladolid of which he ultimately became rector it is possible that on a visit to rome in fifteen thirty nine to attend the chapter general of his order he met juan valdez as time went on bartolome was more and more honored in spain for his learning and goodness in 1545 charles v sent him as theologian to the council of trent where he won golden opinions his doctrine of justification was indeed questioned on one occasion but he had no difficulty in showing that his words were in harmony with the decree of the council and he was vigorous in his treatment of heretical books in spain 1553 in england fifteen fifty four and in flanders fifteen fifty seven he showed himself zealous against heresy and when late in the latter year he was chosen to be archbishop of toledo his own was the single dissentient voice having at length accepted the office he gave himself unreservedly to its duties but it soon appeared that he was not without enemies some of the bishops were ill disposed towards him because he rigorously enforced upon them the duty of residence. Valdez, the inquisitor-general, was jealous of him, perhaps because he himself had aspired to the primatial see, and the great theologian Melcorcano Cano, of his own order, was a lifetime rival. The two men differed in the whole tone of their minds. Fray Melchor was a thinker of almost mathematical accuracy, while Fray Bartolome reasoned from the heart. Under these circumstances, very little evidence would suffice for a process of heresy, and Carranza himself, learning that it was in contemplation, wrote repeatedly to the inquisitors in his own defense. Valdez, however, had applied to Rome for permission to proceed against him. The brief arrived on April 8, 1559. The king gave his permission in June, and in August Carranza was arrested and imprisoned. The main charges against him were based upon his relations with Cazalla, Domingo de Rosas, and others then under condemnation, upon his writings, especially the commentaries on the catechism, which he had published at Antwerp just after he became primate, and upon his last interview with Charles V. Of these, the first head was by far the most serious. Many of the accused at Valladolid spoke of the way in which he had met their doubts in the early days of the movement and rojas in particular desiring to shelter himself under the aegis of his old master had in effect implicated him the evidence showed that he had been in correspondence with juan valdez and it seems clear that at this period his position had been that of the loyal doctrinal reformers of italy although he had willingly accepted the tridentine decree on justification it does not appear that his doctrinal position ever really changed his interview with charles v had been very short but he was accused of making use of words which savoured of heresy the catechismo was next examined and although some both of the prelates and the doctors had no fault to find others censored it severely Melcorcano, in particular found much that was ambiguous much that was temerarious much that was even heretical in the sense in which it was said Nevertheless, the Tridentine censors had pronounced the book orthodox, and had given it their approval. The process dragged on at slow length, with many delays and many interruptions. At length the case was cited to Rome. On December 5, 1566, Carranza came out of his prison, and a few months afterwards he set out for Italy. Here the question had to be reopened, and the documents re-examined, and in many cases translated. Which involved a further delay, but it appears that pius V was convinced of Carranza's innocence, and a decree would probably have been given in the favour had not the Pope died on may first fifteen seventy two His successor, Gregory the Thirteenth reopened the case, and sentence was not actually given till april fourteenth fifteen seventy six The Archbishop was declared to have taken many errors and modes of speech from the heretics, on account of which he was vehemently suspected of heresy, and he was condemned to abjure sixteen propositions. Having done this and performed certain penances, he was to be free from all censures, but to be suspended for five years from the exercise of his office, meanwhile dwelling in the house of his order at Orvieto. The catechismo was prohibited altogether. The decision was severe, but not unjust according to the views of the sixteenth century which applied the tests of doctrinal orthodoxy to the minutiae of individual opinion. But Carranza was no longer subject to it, for seventeen years in prison had broken his strength. He endeavored to fulfill his penances, humbly make his profession of faith, and receive the Eucharist, and expired on May second, 1576. Thus ended the reform in Spain, as it had ended in Italy, uprooted by the intolerant dogmatism which assumed that there was an ascertained answer to every possible theological question confused right thinking with accuracy of knowledge and discerned heresy in every reaction and every independent effort of the human mind many of those who had been driven out of spain continued to work elsewhere such were juan perez already referred to cassiodoro de Hena, and cipriano valera each of whom translated the whole bible into spanish and many more but without following these further mention must be made of one great spanish thinker of the early part of the century who spent most of his life abroad miguel cerveto y jeves was born at tudela in navarre in fifteen eleven his family being of villanueva in aragon and he studied at toulouse as secretary to juan de quintana the emperor's confessor he was with him at Bologna in 1529 and at the Diet of Augsburg in 1530, where he met Melanthan, of whose loci communes he became a diligent student, but soon afterwards left his service and went to Basel. In 1531 he published his De Trinitatas Error Ibos, and in 1552 two dialogues on the Trinity, and the suspicion which he incurred by his views. Led him to flee to France. Here, for the first time, he met Calvin, who was his antithesis in every way, being as clear, logical, and narrow in his views as Cerreto was the reverse. After acting as proofreader to Techelle at Lyon and producing a remarkable edition of Ptolemy, he went to study medicine at Paris. In this field, he greatly distinguished himself, for he appears to have been the first discoverer of the circulation of the blood after a period of wandering during which he submitted to rebaptism by the anabaptists of charlot he came to Vienne, where his old pupil pierre palmer was now archbishop and remained there until fifteen fifty three in fifteen forty six through fifteen forty seven he engaged in a violent theological controversy with calvin and when at length he published his christianismi the letters were added to the book as a kind of appendix not unnaturally offended calvin meanly accused his adversary through an intermediary to the inquisition and in april fifteen fifty three both serveto and the printer of the book were imprisoned serveto made his escape probably by complicity of his gay elders, and was burned in effigy on june seventeenth he now resolved to make his way into northern italy but by a strange mischance he went by way of geneva his arrival was reported to calvin who resolved that his enemy should not escape the blasphemer must die on october twenty seventh fifteen fifty three serveto was burnt at the stake it is difficult to estimate his theological position for his one follower alfonso the giuria of tarragona is now little more than a name miguel cerveto stands quite alone and towers far above other skeptical thinkers of his age in some ways essentially modern he is in others essentially medieval he could not throw in his lot with any party because he held that all existing religions alike were partly right and partly wrong it is impossible to judge of him by constructing a theological system from his writings for his mind was analytic and not synthetic his tenets varied from time to time, and his system was after all but a framework by means of which he endeavored to hold and to express certain great ideas, creation and the logos, the eminence of God and the universe, and the like. But in his anxiety to correct the rigidity of the theological conceptions of his age, he took up a position which often degenerated into the merest shallow negation, and his books on the Trinity are anti-trinitarian not because of his teaching but in spite of it and thus whilst supplying many elements which were lacking to the religious consciousness of most other men of his age he obscured them and marred his own usefulness immeasurably by alloying them with elements of dogmatic anti-trinitarianism which were never of the essence of his teaching section three portugal in portugal the religious revolt never attained serious dimensions there were a few erasmistas and a number of foreigners were proceeded against for heresy from time to time but that is all nevertheless the prevalence of heresy was one of the reasons alleged for the founding of the lisbon inquisition and the circumstances under which this took place may well claim attention here the social condition of portugal in the early part of the sixteenth century was not a little remarkable great opportunities for acquiring wealth had suddenly been opened to its people by the discovery and colonization of the indies the result was that they flocked abroad as colonists or else left the country districts in order to engage in commerce at oporto or lisbon which rapidly increased in size but this had a curious effect upon the rural districts before long there were scarcely any peasants and the few that there were demanded high wages to supply their place the landowners began to import huge gangs of negro slaves who were far cheaper and could be obtained in any number that was required but this system had one great disadvantage so far as the exchequer was concerned it became increasingly difficult to get the taxes paid for there was no longer anybody to pay them; the property of the merchants being, for the most part, not within reach for the purpose. And thus the king, Dom Juan the Third, fifteen twenty-six through fifty-seven, found himself in a curious position. He had great hordes of money in the treasury, but there was a continual drain upon them, and there were no means of replenishing them. Although he reigned over the richest people in Europe. In a letter to Clement the dated june twenty eighth fifteen twenty six he complains of his poverty and gives this as his reason for not succouring the king of hungary in his resistance to the turks various expedients were adopted in order to replenish the royal treasury amongst others a bull of fifteen twenty seven gave the king the right of nominating the heads of all monasteries in his realm with all the pecuniary advantages which this privilege involved but dame juan soon found that he could not make much from this source without scandalizing his people and incurring the enmity of the church there was however a source of revenue yet untapped which was not open to this objection namely the novos cristans if he could proceed against them as was done in spain a lucrative harvest was ready to hand accordingly early in fifteen thirty one the king instructed bras neto his agent in Rome, to apply to the Holy See for a bull establishing the Inquisition in Portugal on the lines of that of Seville, and urged him to use every means in his power to this end, since it would be for the service of God and of himself and for the good of his people. Brasneto's task proved to be one of considerable difficulty. One cardinal, the Florentine Lorenzo Pucci, declared roundly that no Inquisition was needed and that it was only a plan to fleece the jews and his nephew antonio who succeeded him as cardinal proved little more tractable the jews themselves had always been influential with the curia and they resisted strenuously brasneto found that for his purpose heresy was a better name to conjure with than judaism and he did not fail to press the necessity for the inquisition as a safeguard against it at length he seceded and on december seventeenth fifteen thirty one the bull cum ad nahil was signed which provided for the inauguration of the inquisition at lisbon the reasons given were that some of the novo christans were returning to the rights of their jewish forefathers and that certain christians were judaizing and that others were following the lutheran and other damnable heresies and errors or practising magical arts these reasons were as Herculiano has said in part false in part misleading and in part ridiculous there were no lutherans in portugal the novo cristans had as yet given no trouble there and the christians of portugal were no more inclined to judaism and less inclined to magic than those of other parts of europe but the allegations had served their purpose on january thirteenth fifteen thirty two a brief was dispatched to fray diogo da silva the king's confessor expediting the bull and nominating him as inquisitor-general and it looked as if the question was ended as a matter of fact it was hardly begun for now began a series of intrigues and counter intrigues on the matter now one side getting the best of it and now the other the brave knight duarte chipais who was the agent for the jews worked for them with a zeal and vigor restrained only by the fact that he was a portuguese subject the king more than once procured laws which placed the jews at the mercy of his subjects and then had to withdraw them money promises threats were freely expended on both sides herculiano calculates that between february fifteen thirty one when the matter was first opened and july fifteen forty seven when it was finally settled over two million cruzados or nearly three hundred thousand pounds, were paid by the king to the papacy, without counting gifts to individual cardinals and Since the Jews dispersed money even more freely, it is clear that one party at any rate was the gainer by the negotiations. To trace the changes in detail on October seventeenth fifteen thirty two a brief was issued suspending the bull of december seventeenth fifteen thirty one on april seventh fifteen thirty three this was followed up by a bull which divided the novo cristans into two classes those who had received baptism by compulsion and those who had been baptized voluntarily or in infancy the former are not bound to observe the laws of the church the latter are but their past failures are condoned the king was very angry at this amnesty and directed his agents to suggest various alternatives One being that the Jews should be shipped to Africa, so as to be interposed between Christians and Moors, but Clement the Seventh did not waver. On April 2, 1534, he dispatched a dignified brief to Dom Juan, saying that he was not bound to give reasons for his action, but that he would do so as an act of grace. And he proceeded to give his reasons with admirable clearness. Not long afterwards, he died. His successor, Paul Third, seemed more tractable at first, but he would not withdraw the pardon, even when Dom Juan threatened to renounce the papal obedience, like the King of England. At length, however, at the desire of Charles V, Paul agreed to the setting up of the Inquisition, and it was again provided for by a bull of May 23, 1536. But the matter did not end here, and it was not until July 16, 1547, that the precise extent of the amnesty was settled and the inquisition finally established even when it was established it had very little to do with heresy properly so called a few writings for instance those of antonio piera marramachi who insisted upon the duty of translating the bible were placed on the portuguese index but it was far more largely concerned with foreign works than those of natives a considerable number of foreign students or traders came under its influence. For instance, the Scottish poet George Buchanan, circa 1548, and the Englishmen William Gardner and Mark Burgess. Even the records of the foreign church at Geneva, so largely recruited from Spain and Italy, only supply some five or six Portuguese names, so that Damien Goyes remained the one Portuguese heretic of distinction during this period. Damien was born about fifteen oh one of a noble family, went to Antwerp about fifteen twenty-three, and spent six years there in study. Then he travelled in the north and returned by way of Germany, passing through Munster to Freiburg, where he stayed some months with Erasmus and had long conferences with him. After this, he was in Italy from fifteen thirty four to fifteen thirty-eight, with one short interval, during which he came to Basel to tend Erasmus. Who died in his arms on the night of July 11, 12, 1536. In 1537, at the desire of Sadoleto, he began a correspondence with the reformers at Wittenberg in the hope of bringing them back to the church. He was at Louvain in 1538, and after fighting on the side of Flanders and being for two years a prisoner of war, he at length returned to Portugal in 1545. He was almost immediately denounced to the Inquisition. But as the charges were vague and the inquisitor-general his friend, he was set free and soon after was appointed royal archivist and historiographer. In fifteen fifty, a second denunciation was made by Simon Rodriguez, a Jesuit who had known him in Italy. It was more precise and therefore more dangerous, but although he was vehemently suspected, the charges fell through. More than twenty years later, however, the charges were again disinterred. He was brought before the judge Diogo da Fonseca on April 4, 1571, and remanded, and the old man of seventy remained in prison for twenty months while the charges were being investigated. He frankly confessed that he had been remiss in the performance of his religious duties, and that he had held certain points of doctrine which were then held by many great theologians, and were only subsequently made unlawful by the Council of Trent this he said was between 1531 and 1537 and against it he set more than thirty years of blameless life nevertheless he was sentenced to perpetual imprisonment here the king interfered commuted the punishment and sent him on december sixteenth fifteen seventy two to perform his penance in the monastery of batalia we do not know when he returned to his own home but he died there not long afterwards of an accident, a judgment, as people said. Such, then, was the work of the Portuguese Inquisition during this period in its relation to heresy. It was founded for reasons ostensibly religious, but actually fiscal, and although when once established it made Protestantism impossible in Portugal, there is nothing to suggest that the movement for reform would have found many adherents there had there been no Inquisition. End of section 43